This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musil Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks man. How are you? It's been ages. <laughs> it has not been ages. Uh, it has... I've been good. I've been great. I've been great. Um, been good. He's been great, everyone. Yes, yes. He's been good. He's been great. Keeping it... Kwonga. Neither good, neither great, but definitely me. Yes. <laughs> So one out of three ain't bad. Um, yeah, I'm good. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, man. Excellent. Excellent. I'm all right. Thanks. Uh, it's been a couple of days since I saw you. Yes. Uh, and I miss you incredibly. No, no, you did not. In that, in the meantime, I have had the privilege, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to mention this, but um, I had an advanced viewing of part of a Netflix series, that, series oh. that's coming out. It's called Transatlantic. It's coming out in April, I think, created by Anna Winger. And I'm mentioning it only because it is so nailed on in terms of the times we're speaking to. It's amazing. It's basically about... Um, no spoilers. <laughs> okay, it's, it's about the struggle of a group of refugees, primarily Jewish, to escape from Nazi era Marseille in the 1940s. And it's unbelievable. I was in tears about half through the first episode. And some of the actors in the show were like in the audience watching it with us. So after the first episode, it was so good, I turned around. I looked at the guy pardon my profanity, I, looked, I turned around and looked at the guy behind me, one of the guys, the main actors, and I was just like, holy shit, guys, you did it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. So yeah. Um, Is that in April? Yeah, out in April. It's, it's going to be amazing. I'm really honoured to have seen it. So 
Yeah, just like I mentioned that because they put a bit of a high actually because it's such an incredible uh, piece of TV, but also it just like speaks to the times, like given all the kind of stuff we're seeing with like the rise of like extreme forces and all the rest of it. So um, yeah, that's been my my return to Berlin. Very exciting. Nice, man. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Della Soul today. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Terrible, terrible loss to True Goy. So young. I know, man. I know. Lost another legend, man. Yeah. 50, what, 53, 54? Mm. No time at um, all. But yeah. Um, ugh. That's, that's, let's move it on. Otherwise, I'll get emotional. But, yeah. Um, yeah. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, wherever you are in the world. Um, yeah. A lot going on at the moment. Mm. So, um, Anyone who is affected by some of the awful stuff that's going on. Yeah. We hope you're all okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would like to say a big thank you because we haven't done it on Stadio. We did it on Wrighty's House on Friday, which uh, you and I were both on. Yes, we were. We were. Um, I'm not going to lie, watching Ian completely squirm trying to figure out who he asked, which one of his beloved Arsenal boys he had to give up for Jude Bellingham in a fake game yes a fake trade game was uh, I think a highlight of right, doing Wright's House so far which we I think we'll, we'll have to do that game more often but um, yeah yeah anyway I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who came to our live show on Thursday oh, at Pod Live at King's yeah. Place in London it was wonderful it was, it was it was sold out it was it was a pretty big space to be honest and I'm not going to yeah. lie I was quite scared yeah, I was nervous. I was super nervous about just the build up and going like, I was like, you know, you know, are people going to come? <laughs> no, there was that fear, like, you know, um, yeah. and then you get out and you're sitting there thinking, my goodness, like people <laughs> got to try and be interesting for like an hour and a half. Um, so of course I left the talking to uh, <laughs> you, Ian and Flo and that was fine. <laughs> Me just sitting off at the corner. Oh, Moose is laughing a bit longer than usual today. Yeah, it's to run the clock down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lovely well anyway it was a lovely time thanks to everyone Good everyone times. who came and um, yeah thanks to Pod Live for having us any admin shouts at ringer.com some amazing Super Bowl stuff that went up this weekend uh, Kevin Clark's traditional Super Bowl police which was mega and uh, loads of other great Super Bowl bits hard luck any Eagles fans out there mm. but uh, hell of a game by all accounts Hey, listen, it ended with a controversial call, which will be something that we will talk about. It has fused, it has, it has united the footballs. Yes, this yes, yes. Controversial calls. Now, maybe we should do, maybe we should move on to what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the dispute going on between Canada soccer and their men's and women's national sides. Mm. We're going to talk about the European Super League just... It just won't die. And we'll also talk a little bit about VAR in relation to some of the stuff in the Premier League. Mm. But we'll keep it brief. It won't yes. be boring. Uh, very quickly, before we get into the main admin, just congratulations to Czech Republic International Jakob Jankto, who has yes. come out, Sparta Prague midfielder has come out as gay. Um, he wants to live his life without fears. Many congratulations to him. Very quickly, he said, like everybody else, I have my strengths, I have my weaknesses, I have my family, I have my friends. Like everybody else, I also want to live my life in freedom without fears, without prejudice, without violence, but with love. I'm homosexual and I no longer want to hide myself. Many congratulations and very best of luck. And what he's done is really just a huge, wonderful thing. So yeah, many congratulations to him. Uh, Sparta Prague um, supported him in a statement. 
He spoke openly about his sexual orientation with the club some time ago. Everything else concerns his personal life. No further comments. No more questions. You have our support. Live your life, Jacob. Nothing else matters. Nice. Beautiful. Congrats, Jacob. Yeah, just sit that up top. Yep, all good. Many congratulations. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, man, before we start on some other stuff, let's talk about the story going on in Canada. Right. Canadian Soccer Players Association, um, players publicly threatened to strike over lack of support from Canada Soccer. And the Federation then threatened legal, threatened legal action against the players. And so that means as a result, the Canadian National Women's Soccer Team is after all going to play in the She Believes Cup, but begrudgingly so. Mm. This is over a pay dispute. <laughs> and frankly, like I'm laughing in disbelief because it's shocking that the players are having to even do this. Christine Sinclair coming out and saying, obviously Canada Soccer Legend, to be clear, we're being forced back to work for the short term. This is not over. We will continue to fight for everything we deserve and we will win. The She Believes is being played in protest. Yeah, I mean, there were some unbelievable statements coming out the weekend from active players. Yeah. For example, uh, this one from Adriana Leon. At a loss for words, how Canada Soccer continues to conduct themselves and how they continue to get away with it. Six, six months away from the biggest stage and we are essentially being told that the Federation is broke. We are Olympic gold medalists, ranked number six in the world. We sell out stadiums and we are still working backwards in 2023. With the current governance, I worry for future generations. Where is the money going? So for those of you who are wondering what the hell is going on at the moment, well, I mean, for a little while now, both sides have had their moments with Canada Soccer, which is the Canadian Soccer Federation. Mm. The men's players went on strike last year for one game. The latest thing um, is regarding budget cuts and a lack of no, no, no negotiations between the teams and the federations on their new bargaining agreement. Um, the women's team said, our preparation for the World Cup and the future success of the women's national team programme are being compromised by Canada Soccer's continued inability to support its national teams. If Canada Soccer is not willing or able to support our team, new leadership should be found. They said in this statement that as individual players who have received no compensation yet for any of our work for Canada Soccer in 2022. Do you know what's wild about this? Like the shamelessness. I know we talk about this a lot of the time in football, but the people who are actively responsible for your profile and your prestige and your disrespect to them, you're not even offering them like, let's say 40 cents on the dollar. You're not even saying, you know what? We're a bit cashed out, so we'll give you like, let's say like 40% of what you're due, like as a goodwill mm. thing. No, none of that. Just like, we're just not going to pay you for a year. And there's a room full of people. There's a room full of people actively deciding not to cough up. who are being forced to the negotiation table. Like this is arguably the greatest ever. Obviously Canada have excelled at football for a long time. The women's in the women's um, side of the game, but the men and the women combined it's a golden age of Canadian soccer, men's and women, women and men's soccer. Yeah. And this is how they're behaving. And they've got to put them on blast to get paid. I mean, it's absolutely wild. Even by the standards of football, just, just the, 
an historic level of negligence and just deserves to be called out from every available platform, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Wild, wild. Just pay them. Pay them, support the players, put the infrastructure in place for them to see, succeed at this tournament because they've got a really, really good chance of going extremely deep in this competition. This is just not going to be good for morale. Going Having to fight your own you've, federation. It's yeah, unbelievable. You've, got, you've basically got international, uh, you've got national team players who, what? six months out, less than six months away from a World Cup are being like, fuck those guys. Not good. Goodness me. I just, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I have no idea how, I mean, we'll maybe talk about it in a little bit with regards to the Super League, but just people in very senior positions in federations and associations, how many times they consistently get it wrong. And players want to play for their national team. Everyone wants to play in a World Cup. And the fact that ahead of a World Cup, they're literally talking about striking. Simple as this. Any of those players on that committee, uh, any of those individuals, executives on that committee, who are being publicly shamed for their failure to pay the players, if you say to any of them, oh, by the way, um, we're just not going to pay you for a year. Mm. You look how quickly they get on their hind legs and get their lawyer's phone numbers out. That's all it comes down to. Like, how is that behavior acceptable from you, but not in relation to you? That's it. As simple as that. Not acceptable. There's a, there's a really good athletic piece on it that um, Meg Linehan co-wrote, and it, there's a bit in there that says, the men's nor women's team currently has a contract in place with Canada Soccer. Mm. One men's national player told the athletic their team is expecting the financial resources available to them to be cut nearly in half for 2023 compared to 2022. Mm. The women's team have been forced to bring fewer players and staff to their current training camp ahead of the She Believes Cup, which is the fourth team inv invitational tournament beginning this week. Kind of like the stateside version of Arnold, the Arnold Clark Cup. And this is at a time when both men's and women's sides have, I mean, it's hard to remember a time when they've been more popular. The women won Olympic gold in 2021. And obviously the men qualified for their first World Cup in 36 years. For Qatar. Wild. We're appealing to the sense of shame here. Mm. I mean, I hope this is resolved fast, but it's a really disappointing way to be looking towards a, a World Cup campaign. You know, we saw yeah. it with the Nigeria men's uh, World Cup 2014. Yeah. We saw it with uh, obviously Canadian men's. You see it with Spain as well, the women's team and their issues with the federation as well. And it's just empower your people. Yeah. You want to win stuff, empower your people. If you want to go into all those boardrooms, and have something to boast about, it's because you supported the players on the pitch. Yeah. And if you don't do that, it's going to fall apart. So yeah, fingers crossed that goes right for them. Yeah. Good luck to all of the Canadian players in that. And uh, we hope that gets resolved and that you get exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. What you deserve. Canada soccer, bad. We agree? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. Do you know what else is bad? What's that? The European Super League. Oh no. Um, oh, can oh. something that doesn't exist be yeah, it can be bad. Yes, right? it, oh, absolutely it can. Oh my goodness. All right, so this uh, A22 organisation, they've gone away. Had a little think. Uh, talked to some people, apparently. And they're back. There was a description once, and I won't, I won't name and shame because the individual in question has had enough stick over the years as it stands. But there was once a football journalist who said of a famous football executive, he has 50 ideas and 51 of them are bad. Is it me? <laughs> it was not you. And I feel... Because I tell you what, Stadia <laughs> was the 52nd. Don't stop that. Don't even mention the same breath as the, the European Super League. <laughs> it would be like if someone said, 
<laughs> Stadio is the European Super League of podcasts. Nobody wanted it. It was doomed. From, <laughs> no, no, I was it. People said it was doomed from the start. The problem of you saying, well, the problem of you saying that, it's like, oh, no one asked for it. It's now people come up to you, they start asking for things. I know. <laughs> the moment we said no one asked the Stadio, people approached me like we, we were asking for it. Um, so we created yeah, well. a monster. European Super League. So that idea went away, but of course was not banished. We said, I think, we thought it would come back. What was interesting about the new proposals being floated? And I'm almost resentful of mentioning this because it feels like giving them a little bit more PR for it. But the proposals they're floating are there should be an 80 club Super League. Now, this is interesting, right? Because having more clubs as part of the proposed Super League makes it less exclusive and actually makes it more dangerous because the huge inequalities created by the Premier League, right, the fact that they just have unbelievable spending power, make this more viable. And the reason I mentioned this, I think I mentioned this before this as the outset, like, these proposals, these proposals remind me of the pandemics that get buried in the permafrost. Because what happens is when the, when the frost starts thawing, the pandemics have the conditions to emerge. And what's happening now in football, the, the huge inequalities in terms of spending from the Premier League, and I say that as you know, someone that has supported in the Premier League, they, the conditions now for the emergence of a Super League with a large amount of clubs make a, make a Super League more viable, actually before. And I think this, this is the first time I've looked at something and thought, ah, see, this, this could actually be dangerous at some point. Dude, I feel like with every one of these things, when they come up, mm. I say the same thing. They highlight problems. Yes. So let me, let me read the first paragraph on A22's website about Sure, this. sure. <laughs> just imagine this isn't, uh, we're not talking about Super League. We're just, Musa and I are just doing this woke football podcast, right? Look, Musa, <laughs> hey, Musa, do you know what I want to talk about? <laughs> European club football, is it a tipping point? <laughs> Huge imbalances have emerged across the continent and clubs with glorious European tradition are no longer able to compete. Clubs have accumulated billions of losses, many of them caused by uncontrolled spending. To stay afloat, clubs in Spain and France have mortgaged their futures by selling media rights for 50 years or more, and it appears that other will follow too. Sounds like something that could have come out of one of our mouths on Stadio. However, how about we say... Why don't we try and commit to a decade? To, I think like I've said this like a million times on the show so much that I'm starting to annoy myself. Why don't we commit to a 10 to 15 year plan where we actually seek to address the inequalities across European football and try to restore parity because we have tradition, we have a rich football culture and we have comp competitions already in place that players grow up dreaming of winning. However, we need to make sure that clubs can survive and that more than two people have a chance of signing a world staff player when they go on sale. Yeah. That is the answer. Right. It is not, let's do a 60 to 80 team European Super League and pretend that that's going to fix everything. You're completely right. And also the scary thing, and this is, um, I don't want to sound like I'm being judgmental people's voting, choice, voting choices, but I'm going to draw a quick analogy here. You know, when sometimes, you know, when like, a party comes to power and it makes promises and it disappoints people. And people, are, people vote for like more extreme measures in the opposite direction because they're disappointed by the failure of political processes, right? So their frustration at a party not getting things done in a couple of years, which is really a deeper frustration about things not going right for 20 years, in that frustration, they're like, let's just bring the whole thing to the ground. And I feel like this is the kind of thing now, like where people are so frustrated with football's failure to serve the fans over 20, 30 years that they might end up actually supporting something extreme as a kind of measure of catharsis, like, you know, an idea, a chance to like, you know, 
bash the big boys on the nose. And I get it. I get, I get that impulse. But the frightening thing is football has allowed itself to get into this position where actually extreme actors seem appealing. They shouldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? And like the language on the identity website is so clever because a lot of people will nod along to that in a cafe or in a pub or like on a broadcast. Oh, you know, they've got a point. Look, like diagnosing these problems is nothing new. The scary thing is that bad faith actors, which the A22 absolutely are, bad faith actors are now in a place where they can easily adopt mainstream discourse because for the last 20 years, mainstream discourse has been shouting for a solution and hasn't had one. Mm. And now we've got, yeah, now we've got to contend with this. Do you know what I find interesting though, is that when you get further down the list, Mm. you can kind of tell that they've just, they're looking around the room and be like, we need to get a little bit more woke. We need to get a bit more woke here. Because let, let, let me, I'll, I'll read you the bullet points. I won't read the, the accompanying paragraphs, but here we go. The consistent feedback received by us on the on European club competitions has been distilled into the 10 principles presented below. Are you ready, Musa? God. Broad-based and meritocratic competitions. Fine. Domestic tournaments. The foundation of football. Improve competitors. Com, sorry, improve competitiveness with stable, sustainable resources. Love that. Player health must be at the centre of the game. Love that. Club-run competitions with transparent, well-enforced financial sustainability rules. Not wild about clubs running their own competitions. Not going to lie. Second part, fine with that. Here we go. Find me five words that say less than this sentence. The world's best football competition. Do you know what? I've found them. The next one, improved fan experience. And this is where they've gone, hang on, we need to think about women's football as well. So here you go. The bullet point for the next one is develop and finance women's football. Oh, because that's not football. Ha <laughs> ha, because that's not just football. Sorry, Musa. I uh, have found four more words that rival the above point. I mean, saying this. Absolutely nothing. Because is anyone truly going to go, do you know what I really am really impressed about this proposal for the new Super League? Their point on significant increase in solidarity. Significant increase in solidarity. <laughs> the accompanying point is fine. Grassroots solidarity is an essential pillar of European football and should be increased far beyond current levels. Yeah. That's the black squares, the black Instagram squares of discourse. It is, man. It is. But look, as you can imagine the room, right? In the creative oh, strategy. Oh my mean. God. Guys, we've got to make a 10. We can't go in with nine. Oh my like, God. It's just a really bad look. We've got to, uh, oh, oh, who's, who's that guy over there? Oh gosh. Yeah, you, yeah. We need one from you. You've not said anything. Um, how about respect for European Union law and values? <laughs> Do you know what I thought when I saw that though? Well, that's the Premier League team's not in it. <laughs> I want to see all the British teams join the Super League and then have a referendum on leaving it again. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I have low ambitions. I want to attend the launch gala for the European Super League proposals and I want to be there in the front row as Gianni Infantino does a spoken word gig about all the things he feels. I feel like a gay Czech Republic international. Today, I feel respect for European today, law and values. Today, I feel like an unpaid Canadian woman player. Today, yeah, just let him go through the whole list of things that he Today, doesn't feel like. I feel like a significant increase in solidarity. 
<laughs> Today, I feel like an improved fan experience. <laughs> I'd pay to watch that. Today, I feel like a respected European Union law. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well. I know it sounds like we're mocking it, and that's because... We are. We're mocking it. <laughs> we're mocking because it. Because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's ridic- <laughs> there, you, you basically... You can jazz a lot of stuff up as being for the good of the game, and it just fundamentally shows a complete un- like lack of understanding about what yeah. is needed. Yeah. It's another example of football highlighting its own problems incredibly well. And, but... Mm highlighting solutions that are just beyond bizarre. Do you know what's cynical about it? That's the worst thing about it. It would be easier if you were like, oh, they just don't get it. But the fact that they see the weaknesses and actively exploit them. Oh, look, mm. look, here are lots of wounds. Oh, let's buy plenty of bags of salt to distribute them throughout the wounds. Like, that's exactly what this is, isn't it? Yeah. It's almost worse. It's actually worse, I think. They need to figure out a way to fix the stuff that they've already got, because otherwise, what are they going to get? Do they think that the European Super League is all of a sudden going to be the only club competition in the world that's going to be immune to some kind of, like, financial inequity? Like, or inequality, sorry. It's like, why, like... The smashing fact, There's an argument there that means that, yeah, maybe, because they've talked about pulling power away from FIFA and UEFA, and maybe because FIFA and UEFA are the people who are ultimately responsible for well, FIFA, the global governance of the game, UEFA, the European, overseeing the European structure. But it happens at every single FA in pretty much every single country. Yeah. I kind of feel like the uh, the statement from the Canadian Women's Players Association was the one. It's like, new leadership will be required. That's the one. And new leadership is required, I feel like, through so many of the governing bodies in football yeah. that I feel like could actually get together and put together a proposal with 10 bullet points that actually say something. That's the name of my new EP, by the way. New leadership will be required. It's so <laughs> definitive. But there needs to be a real solution to what's going on at the moment because you've caused it, you can undo it up until a certain point. Yeah. Um, the Super League, I feel like it's just, it's kind of running away from it. and. What happens if Barcelona and Real Madrid and Juventus and whoever joins that league, what, what happens when they feel like they should be getting more money from that league? Exactly. Exactly. It's a smash and grab, Ryan. It's a smash and grab. I mean, not to say we're analysing these proposals in too much detail, but look, think of all the things we could do with football. I mean, for example, like, throughout a work proposal from me, imagine like, let's see, because we all know that like players post-retirement really struggle, right? Oh, well, a lot of them really struggle. Imagine having like a progressive tier of post-retirement payment plans. So like after the five years after retirement, you get a sum of money finishing from year zero to five after retirement. You've got like, let's say a, a sum of money tapering off to allow you a bridging, you know, br- bridging budget until your final alternative employment or you find what to do with your career next. And then you have within that a support network for players, you know, like counseling, mentoring, whatever, just to sort of adjust you to the world outside football. Cause you've been living this regimented life for like 10, 15 years of your career. If you've just been doing one thing, A to B football, that's it. But stuff like that. I don't know. Just thinking of like aftercare for footballers, thinking of player development, thinking of compensation for clubs low down the pyramid. They don't rely on agreeing really clever sell-on clauses, which actually are really hard to agree if you work with a bigger club that says, we're not giving that sell-on clause. So you have to like fight, instead of having like bargaining power against bigger clubs, you just have like a payment strategy that's paid for by, let's say, a, a redistribution fund throughout football. For example, right? Mm. If you were trying to structure something more helpfully, I think that's how you would try to do it. Like, where are the exciting ideas 
mm. in the mainstream about football. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Right. I want to be excited for once by someone's vision for how it's all going to look. If that makes it's sense. Just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're, I know, not, I know you're actually an optimist. That's the thing. <laughs> like, but the thing is, there's a, there's a page on this website as well that says the reasons why. And actually some of it isn't wrong. Again, with all of this stuff, it's not always ridiculous, but it's like, it's never more than one sentence away from returning back to that thing. So for example, European club competitions apparently are not attractive enough throughout the year and are not achieving their full potential. And then it says fans are losing interest. It's scary because it's populism. Because, but look, but, you, but here's the thing about that though. European Conference League is hugely popular. Look at the crowds for it. Mm. Like people love the chance to participate. Look what it's done for clubs like Union. It's given local pride, yeah, national Freiburg, pride. into yeah. the Europa League. Like, yeah. Teams are getting into Europe. Like if you give them the chance to play in these European competitions, they'll love it. But the thing is, so much of that is the achievement of getting there. The tragedy of UEFA, if UEFA gets swallowed by the Super League at some point, UEFA's tragedy will be that it made some steps, but not soon enough, just as that will be FIFA's mm. problem too. And look how FIFA basically, FIFA's hand was forced into allowing other nations to host, essentially through corruption. Like mm. FIFA wasn't going to give up that power. And now you have a World Cup in Africa and people are like, oh, actually, let's have more of that or like, let's see if we can have more of that. But basically these organisations have their, how do I say this best? It's basically a bunch of people in a room, in a committee, seeing actively how much power they can hold on to. And the problem with the A22 stuff is, and the Super League stuff is, it just feels like another power struggle. Like these people, and this is the thing, the thing that worries me is, when the Super League was first proposed, it was laughed out of town in what, like less than a week. The thing that scares me is, they'll come with new proposals and they'll be less laughed this time around. And it'll be laughed out of the place, but maybe it'll be like three weeks. Mm. But each time, the time between the laughter will like increase. And eventually they'll be like, yeah, we're, we're here to stay now. Which do you think will be the more relevant A22 in one year's time? Is it this A22 who's doing the new Super League? Or is it the actual A22 road that runs from London to Eastbourne? <laughs> like, which one will we feel like is the most relevant A22 in one year's time? Because, you know, the thing that I love the most about this website is that, you know, when you put, I don't know, say, for example, Musok Wonga, poet extraordinaire. Oh, God. Your favourite author's favourite author, your favourite <laughs> podcaster's favourite podcaster. Oh, God. And you build a website and you're going to put some quotes on there from people who you build like, you know, like when you, when you release one of your many, 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 <laughs> many, 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 many books. <laughs> one of them had a, what, one of them had a quote from Ian on the front. One of them had a quote from Nigella Lawson. <laughs> oh, God. You know, A22 have put three quotes on their website from this Reasons Why bit. Florentino Perez, oh my Juan Laporta, <laughs> and Andrea Agnelli. <laughs> oh my goodness. Men of the people. <laughs> I mean, I just... <laughs> they need to work better on their populism, eh? They need to work on that. But... Just, also, though, the major thing, we've probably spent too much time talking about this, so we should move on, because I feel like the biggest sign of how, how much of a threat people think the Super League is how muted the response has been. Mm. It's almost just been greeted with a gigantic yawn. Mm. But no, but I'm glad we spoke about it at length. Do you know why? Um, one thing we have to guard against is complacency. Yeah, for sure. 
And that's why I'm glad we've, you know, said our piece and had a good laugh because the laughter is not laughter of complacency. It's the laughter of like concern because I'm concerned. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. But yeah, shall we? We're on to the lighter topic. <laughs> VAR concerned me this weekend. Mm. Well, did it. I mean, two specific decisions in the Premier League, one uh, involving Arsenal for Brentford's equaliser. Mm. And the other, <laughs> Thomas Suchek's incredible save against Chelsea. Joe Musa, I just, I think he's done amazingly well to get down that quick. <laughs> I really do. Because uh, this was kind of wild. So basically, Lee Mason apparently on VAR uh, for Brentford's goal apparently didn't draw the lines on and missed the second offside. This is frustrating from a fan point of view because I feel like one of those things where Brentford were good, man. Brentford were really good. Especially in that first half, they were really good. They hit the bar. They kind of pinned Arsenal in. Arsenal yeah. couldn't really get going. But ultimately, Arsenal, Arsenal didn't concede a goal. They did okay. Mm. They kind of rode it out. They started playing the football the second half. They were much better. And they've conceded a goal that shouldn't have stood. Um, if there was no VAR, I was thinking about this afterwards, and this is how I'd actually like to frame it, because I feel like um, I was thinking, how would I have thought about this goal if VAR wasn't in place? So, for example, if this goal had happened, would I have been going, do you know what we really need? We need VAR. I was thinking, no, I wouldn't. I'd actually be able to go, <clears throat> yes, that's offside. That's annoying. But I kind of understand how they've missed that because it's happened so quick. And actually, I feel like my, my, um, let's say my kind of fallout from the game would be less so. I mean, to be honest, if I'm being brutally honest, actually, I was kind of fine with this result because Brentford are really, really good. and. Arsenal were going to have a wobble this season and we're, Arsenal have had a minor wobble and if Arsenal beat Man City on Wednesday, is it's all fine. My frustration with this goal, even if it's not VAR, not, not an offside, was, you know, it's the timing of the jumps to clear that ball. Yeah. When the ball arrives in the box, I'm like, there's, I mean, it's hard, I feel harsh saying this, but the timings of the jumps with Arsenal players, like no one was quite facing at the right time to get up and the Brentford well, the Brentford players literally got the jump on Arsenal 
Um, I can't blame Saliba because he got the first head to it, then he was down and he had his back slightly turned. But someone should have elevated to get that out of there. And the frustrating thing for Arsenal is you take the lead on at 66 minutes or whatever it is. And especially a goal that well constructed, great ball in by Saka, my God, with the wrong foot. Great ball to find Trossard. Trossard's first goal. And you see that celebration, you see that celebration, you think to yourself, okay, close this out. Because this actually, you know, I know that you're right with those stats and all of that. I just feel this is, the, you know, it's one of those games, if Arsenal had taken it 1-0, you then look and go, you're like, that's the result of champions. As opposed to, you know, a, a draw at home to Brentford is not an awful result, considering some of the results of this season, but it's an underwhelming result. And then, of course, it allows City to unleash a whirlwind, which they did against Aston Villa in the first half, because City smell that. And I, it's really interesting, actually, with City, I will say this before we get back to the VIS stuff, it's really interesting how City they have found that motivation from somewhere. Like there was a lot of talk about, oh, how's that affect the city on the field? I never really thought it would affect them negatively, to be honest, because as Ian said, like football is basically, they live in a kind of like a bit mm -hmm. of a bubble with that stuff. But the one sense in which footballers actually do derive strength from these things is, even though it's a completely self-inflicted wound and it is, let's be honest, it's self-pity. They call it a siege yeah. mentality. Actually, it's self-pity. You see it with United. When United are getting like stress off the pitch and they become stronger because the world's against us. No, the world is just annoyed with you. Like <laughs> you did something uh, it's, probably it's not, yeah, very it's, bad. Yeah, it's not, and, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not that deep. And to be honest, 95% of the time when a club says, oh, there's a siege mentality, it's because that club has done something terrible <laughs> yeah. or at least highly questionable. And that's just how it is. That like 95% of the time. But um, yeah, Arsenal giving, um, Arsenal giving, City a sniff, but I, I hate that it comes back to VAR, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Does that make I was sense? just using it to, to kind of as a bit of a different angle for the. No, but no, 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 but to be honest, the Suchek one is probably even more wild. Mm. Everyone kind of knew what was going on there apart from whoever was in the VAR room. Um, but that's cost, that decision has cost two points for Chelsea, really, because they had a penalty. They probably would have scored it. And I mean, for example... And they played some great stuff as well, Chelsea. Yeah, they did. Like, Jao Felix's goal was wonderful. Enzo Fernandez was great, I thought, yeah. again. And uh, Mudrik had a, a really lovely through ball. Was it for one of the Harvard's goals that got disallowed? Oh, was that his pass? Okay. Yeah, was, was it, was it, was it, it Reese James? Oh, no, no, no Reese James was for the... It was a Mudrik through ball, which Mudrick, was lovely. Yeah. Yeah. It might, I think it was for uh, one of the disallowed goals. Jao oh, yes. When he went disallowed the goal off the post yeah, yeah. was incredible. Yeah. yeah, it was. But yeah, anyway... VAR nonsense. Weird enough, this result reminded me just how much football left there was to go because you look at the table and you go, my God. Yeah, so long left. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Arsenal just need to not lose that game against Man City. Yes. Um, win their game in hand and they're actually in a really decent position, but yeah. Arsenal need to figure out a way to start scoring goals again because they're looking a little bit mm. like Brentford deserve a huge amount of credit because they basically have shown how you can shut Arsenal down. Mm. I think Dyche did that in a very different way with Everton. Thomas Frank mentioned that doubling up on the wingers, which is something that Newcastle did when, at, the, at the home game. Mm. Arsenal need to figure out a new way to play or figure out how to deal with those problems. I feel like getting Gabriel Jesus back will solve a lot of those issues because of just the problems that he creates in between lines and how he links play together. So Arsenal need to really just find a way, yeah. find a way to, uh, to get through this period. And, uh, that, but that game against City is, is huge. We'll talk yeah. about it on Thursday and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it on Wright's house as well. Yeah, but props to Brentford, uh, props to Wolves who beat Southampton two one despite going down to ten men. And Nathan Jones is gone. 
He is. Um, Richard Jolly on Twitter. Shout out to him. This stat is extraordinary. Richard Jolly tweeted, 11 Premier League managers have got at least one point at St. Mary's this season. Nathan Jones is not one of them, despite managing Southampton. But he is no longer Southampton manager. He is no longer. And now his watch has ended. Mm, Probably for the best. Weird managerial appointment. (laughs) Some very strange comments coming out of that camp, in particular the one about Welsh women. Like, What's it got to do to us? I mean, like, it's strange. strange. Dude, just, what the hell? So this is a football club. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah. strange, very strange. Your Man United beat Leeds 2-0. Marcus Rashford doing work. Garnacho it again with a late, uh, a late goal. Well, with a late goal. Mm. Yeah, really impressive um, from Rashford in particular. Uh, Sabitz are making his debut. Look very tidy. So yeah, United quietly moving, quietly yeah. motoring along. And a point for Newcastle against Eddie Howe's former club, Bournemouth, on Saturday night. We mentioned Man City, obviously. They do like playing Villa. Yeah, they came out with real intensity, actually. Yep. Mm. Holland playing yeah. provider as well. Quite impressive, too. Yeah. Yeah. Massive shout to Leicester for beating Spurs. Wow. Who were, they were amazing in that first half. Mm. Mondi's goal was so good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. <laughs> it reminded me, actually, of like Steven Gerrard's one against Everton in the Derby a few years back, uh. where he rips it on the angle. Like, and because the technique is so good and so clean, it actually makes the strike look easier than it is. Mm. But it's the kind of goal that makes like, someone like a Tielemans jealous. <laughs> Euro Tielemans being like, oh, that's, that's my goal. That's what I do. Why? No, Tielemans was just like, it's too close for me. <laughs> it's inside the box. And it was on the floor. <laughs> so- I only like him five or six yards further out on the volley. <laughs> Tielemans is basically like Daryl Morey's perfect footballer. He only scores bangers and penalties. Yes. <laughs> so he's like a he's threes, like a yeah, threes and dunks. Threes yeah. and dunks. <laughs> Do you remember was that volley that um Rakitic got against the Spurs at Wembley when he oh hits the ball? The shirt flies <laughs> the shirt wow. was tight and his shirt flies up. It was Incredible. like that. Yeah, yeah, love it. Um big shout out to Fulham, another win. Uh Willian and uh and Solomon with the goals. Uh beating Forest. Uh Palace drawing one all against Brighton in, in the Derby. Well, I, yeah. I always call it the Thameslink derby. No one likes that. <laughs> no, no, they don't. <laughs> I don't know why. But another goal for Solly March, who's just a goal machine. Mm. Still think he should be uh, called up for England. Yep. Co-signed. Uh, any other Premier League stuff you want to talk about from the weekend? No, good, good, good. Good for now. We just shout out the WSL because Arsenal losing to City in what was a massive game. Mm. And... I really feel like... Those injuries, Ryan. It's not just the injuries at Arsenal because they have had some massive injuries. And I, if, I think if anything is going to save Jonas Edeval, I think okay. it is the injuries. Right. But I feel like you. this doesn't look like a hugely motiva- motivated team at the moment. Okay. I think that Stina Blackstenius thing is really hanging over... Trying to sell her, you mean, for Russo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to include her in that uh, Russo deal. Dude. We said... Attempting a deal of that difficulty that close to the deadline, mm. as opposed to going to Europe and finding a striker in Europe. I mean, not being funny, but just like reach out, try and buy, test Wolfsburg's resort by trying to get Eva Payor. Like, I mean, like, you know, there's yeah. other, there's other, anyway, don't get me started. Sorry, Wolfsburg fans. I'm just saying, like, I'm just giving an example of other strikers that you could have gone for and not created that, that turbulence. Yeah. Arsenal have a game in Handel City above them and have a superior goal difference. So Champions League qualification is still within their own hands. But um, 
It's Chelsea or United for the title now. United beating Spurs on Sunday 2-1. Yeah, what a game that was. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, so good. Uh, Villa absolutely hammering Brighton 6-2. Can I shout out to Beth England for her brilliant goal, the equaliser? Yeah. Just great to see her scoring Beth England goals. Yeah. Yes. Can I shout out Jordan Nobbs who got a hat-trick in the Villa game? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just glad to see her back fit, playing football. Mm. and uh, Delivering. Yeah, she does it. Yeah, totally. Uh, Leicester beating Liverpool 1-0, which was probably the the shock of the weekend in the Super League. Hannah Kane's goal after eight minutes was enough. And that was it. The Super League this weekend. Super League is now off until the 5th of March because it's internationals. Uh, let's quickly give some congratulations to Real Madrid because they defeated Al-Hilal 5-3 in the Club World Cup final in a, in a, a pretty, pretty wild game. They are world champions once more. They never, they just don't lose finals really, do they, Real Madrid? It's they don't. 18 and 19 they've won now? They don't. Weird. In La Liga, quickly just shout for uh, Unai Simon, who hit the spider cam. Oh, I didn't see Love that. that. <laughs> Love that. Uh, Sid Lowe tweeted, it was the third time it's happened in Spain this season. Do you know what I love? I love that someone's collecting stats like that. Well, of course Sid is. One of the wins for Barcelona and Atleti. I mean, uh, the Barca stay top, obviously, with uh, Real Madrid on Club World Cup duty. Actually, shout out to Pedri for getting the winner against Villarreal because mm. it's nice to see him it just feels like he's popping up with more important goals in the last 18 months. Do you know what I mean? Like Europa League, we saw him do it. And also now, like it's just, it's nice to see Pedri adding goals more because I'd love him to be like a kind of consistent 15, 20 a season. Yeah, definitely. His movement is so good that he can add that. He's a also, really good how, finisher too. How good did uh, Frankie de Jong look anchoring that midfield? Listen, Said maybe Give him the keys. We in the, we're in the fourth year of Stadio and maybe Frankie might finally get the keys. <laughs> Just a quick shout to Milan, who got a win against Torino. So they just sort of snapped that losing streak yeah, of three straight. Steady, three, yeah, yeah, just that really, I suppose. That's just a result that um, Milan fans have been desperate before. So good for them to sort of get, drag that back. Now, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Hertha, who oh, yeah, got oh, back yeah. 4-1 after being a goal down, Yeah, yeah, uh, which is a, a really good result for them. And I'd also like to give Union another shout out, coming from a goal down to beat RB Leipzig. In Leipzig? In Leipzig, and stay a point behind Bayern, who beat Bochum 3-1. Um, so yeah, the Bundesliga title race is involving it might be, Union it might Berlin. Be on. It involving might be on. Union. <laughs> Quick shout out for Monaco as well, who beat PSG 3-1 uh, on with an, Saturday. With an asterisk because Monaco players were ill. Uh, sorry, PSG players were ill before that game. Oh, here he is. Fucking asterisk of Hot Wonga. Listen, oh. it's not much of a little name, is it? No. Um, <laughs> Galtier afterwards said he was, quote, really worried ahead of hosted Bayern Munich. Um, it's Champions League back this week. It is. Wow. And it's also Arsenal, Manchester City on Wednesday. Mm. Um, and just finally, quick shout for Leon who beat Lance 2-1 on the weekend. Lance dropped to fourth now. Mm. After some people were... Made some decent running. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to shout out from the weekend? Just a shout for Napoli who avenged themselves against Cremonese, uh, 3-0. Cremonese beat them in Coppa Italia and also a very good win for Atalanta against Lazio. 2-0, big win that for two teams on the rise. So they were kind of, you know, Lazio have obviously been making a bit of a challenge, but Atalanta forced themselves back into the reckoning of the third now in Serie A, which remains, in my opinion, the most exciting league in Europe. But anyway, <clears throat> oh, listen, enough, listen, listen, enough of my own biases and prejudices. Svita Bundesliga fans have had enough. Listen, <laughs> they're going to come for us. 
can't, right. you can't you can't find me sorry <laughs> just, just posted my gig dates all over instagram exactly <laughs> yeah you can't find me i will be back on writer's house with carl on tuesday so make sure you check into that make sure you check counter press as well mm. and all the other good stuff on the ringer anything you want to add move up longer no no nothing further no all right don't forget to check the stadio actress plays on spotify and uh we're playing out on just a, a little bit of this one going out to true goy yes much love everyone we'll be back with you on thursday much love we give you much more much more longevity baby and your day yeah it's been a stale than me since infinite y'all using these minutes like i value the call put your money in the bank and hold rank over friends who ain't got leadership skills i got the sheep in my eyes so i can't sleep we like to land and lay the brand away grand operate the stand away l.i shites I play the Xbox instead of fucking with dice. I hate losing the doze. You walk away with my dough, cause I doze. Tracy broke me, and now she wanna see the resident provoking me to pop willies on my bicycle. Watch your eyes twinkle. One house, two houses, third house, house rules. So house take bank, watch Dave Bank. Banner had him on a hawk since Atlanta. Extravaganza, gamma ray rap, I make the hawk snap. Jump back like James Brown, hey now. When the liquor over, we smoking the hay now. Delegate numero dos, I holla out the sound and notes to keep the island close to me. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.